Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Hi there. Good morning. Welcome to you today. I uh, hope you're well. I hope you're keeping well this morning. Uh, still a bit icy and snowy outside. Um, but we're going to continue looking in 1 Thessalonians. And uh, so I'd like to read to you the end of chapter 1. Um, there's just a couple of incredible verses here at the very end of chapter 1 before we dive into chapter 2. So it says in chapter 1 and uh, verse Uh, Eight, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Excuse me for the cats uh, joining in there. Um, see if she behaves and welcome to Ritual from the Philippines as well. And uh, to Sue and to Anne uh, and to others who've joined in. So what we've seen here in uh, Thessalon in the letter so far is that the Apostle Paul went to Thessalonica preached the gospel uh, in a short period of time, just a month or so. He was there. Uh, the uh, Many people turned. Uh, in fact, there were many, uh, there were some Jews. There were many God-fearing people, so kind of Gentiles who were attached to the synagogue. And then there were not a few prominent women as well who turned. So um, quite a significant group of people that turned uh, to serve God. And having received the message from Paul, Paul then had to flee uh, the city, but they then started to live out this message and to share this message. And the message rang out from the city of Thessalonica, this big capital city in Europe, uh, rang out across Greece, across Macedonia and Achaia, which is Greece. And across the valleys, it echoed as their lifestyle and their words kind of propagated and was heard further and further afield to the point where the Apostle Paul is now in Corinth um, over the sea. And yet he is hearing reports from people, from Timothy who has come, but possibly from someone who's come from Rome as well, uh, reports that these people are living this life uh, in a radical new way. And he says they themselves report what kind of reception you gave. They tell how you turned. And so there's this this message that's gone out and they've got a reputation now. But Paul gives this amazing summary of what it means to actually be a Christian at this point. And I would suggest to you that this is the most succinct and, and quite possibly, you know, the most thorough summary of what it actually means to be a Christian that we find in the New Testament within just a couple of short verses. It's it's not just a nice, neat little summary, but it's actually a powerful summary, which if we take on board is, is still life changing today. As I've certainly reflected on it, I found that to be the case. And so it tells us here that they did three things. They turned, 
they are serving and they are waiting. So they turned, turned from idols. They're serving the true and living God. And they are waiting for his son to come from heaven. Three things that they're doing, turning, serving and waiting. And uh, that is a, a powerful thing, a summary of what it is to be a Christian. Um, and I want to just park a little bit on, on the first one or the first two here. They turned from idols. Now, idols, of course, are um, pictured in the Bible as being powerless uh, and of, of being false. And in contrast here, we're told that these people have turned from idols to the true, the genuine, as opposed to false, and to the living, as opposed to dead, idols. They've turned to the living God. They've turned to the true and living God, as opposed to false and dead idols. Now, we'll look at that in a minute. But what it tells us here is that they turned from these things. Now, this word turn here, there's a couple of different words, three different words that are used for repent or turn in the New Testament. One of them is metanoia, which means a kind of a change of mind. But the one that is often used, especially in the book of Acts for turn, um, is the word epistrypho. And it's a technical term, which kind of was a summary of conversion, really, to to turn, uh, to turn around in your lifestyle, to turn in your affections, in your affiliations, to to change your direction, to turn. And so, for example, we find it, as I mentioned, in Acts several times. Uh, I won't give them all to you, but just a couple of references in Acts chapter 14. And uh, there in verse 15, it says um, this. It says we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So turning from worthless things, idols to the living God who made everything. And then it tells us also in Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, Acts 26 verse 18 says that uh, Paul's missionary journey, his apostolic mess journey was this, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. So turning from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And then again in verse 20, he talks about how they are to repent and turn to God and to demonstrate their repentance by their deeds, repenting and turning to God. Now, this turning then is a decisive change of direction. It's a break from the past. It's a break from the idols. In um, Thessalonica, just they could probably see Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus was 50 miles south of the city and they would have seen it. And it was reputedly the home of the gods. And these people in Thessalonica under the shadow of Mount Olympus were turning and walking out of that shadow and walking instead to turn to the living God. Now, idols come in lots of different forms. Idols can be, if you like, kind of pretty basic superstitions 
um, or they can be very sophisticated. But whether they're superstitious or sophisticated idols, they're all suspect. And uh, so we find that, you know, there are idols that are sophisticated ones. In Ephesians 5, verse 5, Paul says there that we are, that immorality and greed is idolatry. Yeah, there's all sorts of idols that we can have, which we need to be willing to break the power of in our lives, whether that is um, the fear of uh, not having enough money or, you know, thinking I need to do at least 12 hours a day, six days a week in my job. Otherwise, um, I'll, I'll be in trouble. Actually, no, you won't. If you put God first, um, you can you can you don't have to live for that. And we can live for these idols, whether that's greed, uh, whether that's addictions. We think, oh, if I don't do this, I'll be unhappy. And we're afraid of these things. We're afraid of the power that they have in our lives. We think that they have power when actually they don't have power in our lives if we believe that God can set us free from these idols that we've been trusting in and instead we trust in him. We think, oh, if I give that money, then what will happen? I won't have enough. I won't be able to survive. But no, actually, there sometimes there's a power in breaking that idol in your life. I, let me just tell you a quick couple of stories. In Polynesia, in southern Polynesia, um, Alan Tippett, who is a was a missionary, an Australian missionary, he saw a massive change in the people there in uh, the islands of Polynesia. And he tells, for example, of the Christian chief of Tahiti, um, Pomer II, how this Christian chief of Tahiti baked a sacred turtle without first observing the customary rituals and nothing bad happened. And the people watching thought, whoa, these idols are powerless. And many of them turned to Christ. Uh, there was another example, the chief of Tonga, um, Tafauhau, uh, the chief of Tonga. He struck the priestess of the old god, of his old god, with a soft banana club. And as he did it, he said, I will strike the devil god with this. And again, people were watching, thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? And nothing happened because these idols are powerless and many turned to Christ there in Tonga. Finally, uh, the paramount chief of Samoa, um, he took no precautions. He ate a sacred mullet, uh, the fish, the sacred mullet, which was forbidden food. And uh, again, as people were watching, nothing bad happened. The power of the idol was broken and people turned to Christ. As we take decisive actions, we turn from idols to serve the true and living God. We will find that the power of those things over our lives are broken and we are set free to follow and to serve the true and living God. And so let's do that. Let's turn our face to him because he can provide. He does bring salvation. He is the one alone who can change us. And that's what happened to the Thessalonians. And it's what's happened to us as well. So let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for the power of the gospel that changes us and transforms us. We thank you that you've broken the power of idols in our lives. And we ask you that you would continue to do that. And if there's anything that we're living for other than you right now, we turn from that and we put our trust in you afresh this morning. We pray that today our trust would be holy and completely in you, the true and living God. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.